1: Welcome to Collections by Michelle Brown. I'm your host, Michelle Brown. Each week, we'll be talking with people living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change. It's always great to catch up with old friends, especially when it gives you an opportunity to celebrate their lives and continued good works. We first met this week's guest at an Esteem Award in Chicago. Ken Mahia Beal was a guest that year. This year, he's receiving the award for Chicago's Outstanding Service Mail. Ken is a community organizer and chair of the DuPage County Democratic Party. As a longtime resident, community activist, and a leader in the financial sector, Ken has spent the better part of his life helping others. A part of the greater Chicago area's LGBTQ plus community, he was elected chair of the county's Democratic Party in 2021. DuPage County is the second largest voting sector in Illinois. Ken is also an award-winning writer who has written for such publications as Patriot, not partisan, and dim cast. He's been a guest speaker and co host on various radio shows. Ken has worked as a community organizer and served on several boards to usher in an era of social equality and healthcare equality for all. Ken, welcome back to Collections by Michelle Brown.
2: Well, I'm happy to be back with Ken mahir Bill. Ken, I mean, it's been a minute. You know, we first yep. met, yeah, at an Esteem Award in Chicago, and what's bringing us back together is that you are receiving an Esteem Award this July, as excuse me. Mm-hmm. Outstanding Service Mail in Chicago, Community Organizer and Chair of the DuPage County Democratic Party. Congratulations.
3: Thank you. It it, it really is an honor. Um, it, it really is. So, um, were you
2: surprised or had you... Yeah. Had- uh-huh.
3: Absolutely, I'm. I'm somebody. I, I do, I do things because I enjoy doing them.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I do things. Um, because I, I feel that I'm doing something for our community. So I never expect anything in return for anything mm-hmm. that I do. Um, except maybe a thank you. Every once in a while, uh-huh. I get a thank you, and that's good enough. But no, this it was um, surprising, and it's an honor, and I'm excited. And DuPage County is going to come out, and we're going to have a great time.
2: Well, you know that's the thing that I like about the
3: Esteem Awards. You know,
2: because like I, you know how you what you just said. When I got one, that's what I was like. But, you know, I just do this. And that's what I like about them is that they, you know, find people who are doing things, you know, not doing things for, you know, awards or have their face on, on TV every two minutes. They just keep constantly, steadily doing things in the community. And, you know, like you said, thank you is enough, but to be recognized by your community, particularly not only. You know your illinois community your l g b t q mm-hmm. community and friends and family i mean that's just like perfect
3: it is mm-hmm. it really is,
2: wow, you know, so uh yeah, we'll have to coordinate outfits before we get there
3: <laughs> <laughs> i i will it will be hot, so I will be in khakis and uh polo. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And and
2: it's it's sidetrack, which, you know, in fact, I think today that that when I got mine, it was at the sidetrack, and we happened to be on the roof outside, and I thought I was going to just melt, you know, but, you know, I am really looking forward to, to this, to this event. So you said your whole county, county crew are going to join you there, huh?
3: Absolutely. I can't do what I do by myself. I have a really good good group of what I call good democrats around me and by good democrats I mean there are lots of democrats out there you know but when I say good democrats I mean good democrats that are ready to move us to the next place good democrats that are ready to organize do good democrats that are ready to uplift inspire the next generation—that's what mm-hmm. I call good Democrats.
2: uh hmm mm-hmm. You know, when we when we met and we last talked, we talked about your writing, and also that you were a member of uh, D.N.C.'s uh, committee, Democratic National Committee, as a political strategist and organizer. How and you've been doing that at that point in time for like over five years.
3: Yes, How it's been so a long
2: those... time. <laughs> I know. How has your role changed from, let's say, uh, our forty-fourth president to our forty-sixth president?
3: Um, you know, I'm I'm gonna be honest here. Having Trump in office was horrible for America, mm-hmm. but it was good for Democrats, and I'm gonna explain why. As people, just as people, Democrats, we get easily complacent Mm -hmm. as a group. Mm -hmm. So having Trump in office galvanized the party, you saw a lot of folks that were usually on the sidelines jump into the game. Um, Now, people like me, and when I say people like me, I am talking about me being an African-American, me being an LGBT person. I did not have the privilege of being complacent. I've been an activist for years. I've been vocal for years because I had to be because just being a Democrat doesn't mean that my voice is heard. But when Trump got to office, there were a lot of Democrats who were complacent that – that decided to jump in. So now that president Biden is in a lot of those Democrats have said, okay, I'm good. And they're going back. Mm -hmm. Um, So that is where we run into the issue is we can be happy with how things are going, but we can't be complacent. Um, You know, especially as I talk to you now with the Roe v. Wade issue, um, The effects of Donald Trump's presidency are going to haunt us for at least a decade,
2: Uh
3: at least a decade, because Republicans, what they're good at is the long game. I think as Democrats, we look at what can we do now? Republicans are looking at what we can do moving ahead Donald Trump managed to put three Supreme Court justices on the bench, I I believe all under the age of 55. These are lifetime appointments. They are going to be with us for decades. So, yeah, we got him out of the office, but his legacy, or whatever we're going to call it, is going to be around for a while. So – we can't be complacent.
2: Well, you know, one of the things that I said even before, I mean, before Trump got in there, and during um, pres- even during President Obama was thinking that long-term game, and how often I said Supreme Court justices, and people like, oh, mm-hmm. you know, they didn't. And somehow or other, I guess, I mean and even now I hear people think, Oh, well it's the Supreme Court, they're just going to go by the law and you know and if no. we get the right it will be there. But clearly that's not the case and like and even if, you know, there's a month there'll be a while before even if the ones who are older all resigned tomorrow. Okay, first of all, you see what they did to President Obama as far as his appointments. You see Correct. how they pushed through Trump. And yep. here we are. And again, you know, as soon as I hear think about midterms, and I hear people going like, Oh, well, you know, we got Biden in there, and I hear a lack of an a fire about the midterms, I think, Supreme Court justices. Because if the House and the Senate, heaven forbid flip even if the bad ones said we're going to retire tomorrow, it would be some huge heroic efforts for President Biden to replace them.
3: Yep. Yes.
2: You know, why don't people, I mean, how do we get that through to
3: people? Well, number one, we have to stop calling them midterm elections. So Mm. the way that we pitch elections is off. When we look at the Republican Party, they don't say midterm election or municipal election. They say election. And they vote. Uh-huh. Democrats, we are are we come out in droves for presidency, but guess what? The president electing the president is really far from your everyday um the things that will affect your everyday life. What will affect your everyday life closely are those municipal elections, your state rep, your state senator. Those are actually the most important elections. Um, Electing locally are your most important elections. So as Democrats, we have to stop using the term midterm And and for the love of God, we have to start – stop using the term off-cycle election. Election. Mm. We have to start saying election. And what we're doing here in Illinois, and I'm really excited about it, is permanent vote by mail. So what that means is if you register for permanent vote by mail, you will get a ballot every single election regardless of what it is. That is what Democrats need to do is register, and more states need to do a permanent vote by the mail. We have to pass the John Lewis Act. We have to do federal um, guidelines on voter um, registration and voter rights because the way to do it, and this is not just good for Democrats. It's good for democracy, is so that people have a ballot that comes to their mailbox every single election, so that they have the option to vote and the opportunity to research. Um, you know, we have Google now. You can research uh, who's running for office.
2: You know, and, and you know, you talked about the long game, because I can recall, like, way back, sitting down with someone who was, they were, like, trying to recruit me, you know, tell me about the Republican Party and how, you know, they, or, you know, they were off to the wrong, on the wrong foot when they started out, you know, it was the party of Lincoln and he freed the slaves, you know, not, so, mm. you know, done. Okay, we're done, but that's okay. But one of the things that they did say that I listened to is like, they said, we're going to vote everyone from who, the dog catcher who's minding the doghouse. Absolutely. The house. And when you stop and you look at many state legislatures, even the ones, Michigan, as a great Democratic governor, signed mm-hmm. by this House, the state yes. legislature, which is for them. And that's what you see that they've done. And often when I look at people who are running, it's like, you know, there's some more, so many more Republicans who are running. I mean, at, like you said, at the, at the local level, then you have Democrats. And, you know, well, and, and or people who you would say are, Even the Green Party, I mean, you know, they're playing the long
3: game. you got to play the long game. You have Mm -hmm. to play the long game. We have to start running more candidates at our local levels. We have to get involved in municipal elections. And, you know, we have to – and this is another conversation that um, folks don't want to have. When we talk about our tax dollars – And I've talked about this often. I can get a Big Mac from McDonald's, or I can go and get a Kobe beef. beef. The Kobe beef is going to cost more, but I'm getting more nutrients. I'm getting better supplements. We have to pay our elected officials a living wage also. So when we start looking at these local elections, for example, our uh, in 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 my county, our county board members make roughly, you know, fifty to fifty-five thousand dollars a year, which is deep, which, that's good money, right? I, I'm not saying that's not good money, but what I am saying, if I were a person in a career, and you're asking me to leave my career. Well- that 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 that's not going to supplement it, so what's going to happen is so what we're looking at Republicans traditionally have more money they're lawyers they 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 have the means, and a lot of Republicans, while they're still working in politics, they have their other jobs, whereas Democrats. We have that same issue, but the difference is in those spaces where you don't see Democrats running is because you, we can't find Democrats that are willing to, suppl- to willing to give up their income. That's a problem.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: That's a problem. And it's a problem that we don't address enough is we need more working class people in politics but we have to pay those working-class people. Um, And and I'm a firm believer that we can't just keep electing lawyers and consultants to office. And that's something Mm -hmm. you and I discussed when I was running for state rep. But the flip side to that is we have to get out of the mindset that we should be able to get everything for no – For nothing, you know. You there is a saying: you get what you pay for, and it it Uh means a lot. (laughs) It means Uh a lot because if you have an office that is an important office, and the only person that can do it is a Republican that is a lawyer because he has or she has a lot of money. Instead of trying to talk a Democrat out of running because they can't afford to take the pay cut, why don't we talk to our government about, hey, I'm okay with you raising my tax dollars a little bit, a little bit. I want to say that 50 million Uh times, a little bit. If I am getting quality service, because I'm willing to pay for good government.
2: So, you know, and I think that, the, that money part, like you said, it comes in like, I know a lot of people who are who would be wonderful, but like you said, you know, um, their heart might be in it, but they know they've got to take care of their families. Mm-hmm. Their heart mm-hmm. might be in it, but they don't see where, how could they raise this money to do this this work? I mean, you know, correct. And, how do we, how do we develop, you know, like you said, you get what you're for. I mean, there are some things like to get somebody the right person. And when you get all of these things for somebody to, to donate, first of all, you know, I can only give $3 a month to so many people, you know, I know what they say. $3 pay. a it's month is it. a lot, you know, but I mean, when you have like. Why? Because every time you open up your email, like you might have 50 emails and everybody's asking, you know, just give us three, just give us five, yep. just give us something. Many people don't.
3: So let me, their, yeah. let me break no, this okay. down for you. Let okay. me break it down for you. I'm going to answer your question directly. This is what we need to do. Take Citizens United out of our government. Mm. We need to change the law so corporations are corporations and not people. That's number two. Number three, shorter election cycles. In most countries, they have primaries on the same day and general on the same day. In America, we have primaries all over the place. So what I'm talking about is having a primary on the same day as a nation and also making our general no more than 90 to 120 days From that primary. So having shorter election cycles, so people don't have to spend as much. We have folks running for office that have been running for office by the time the general election comes for a year. So what I'm talking about here is, hypothetically, let's have primaries, a nationwide primary in August. And then let's have a nationwide general in October. Let's make this quick. Because Americans know who they're going to go and vote for. Mm-hmm. The problem is corporations are bilking our, our election cycles. So that is how we fix a lot of our issues when it comes to regular working folks running for office.
2: Well, you know, part of that again is part of the long term. We know we have to do this. I mean, we know right now that not only does that make you know take away from our voting rights, there's directly attacking the voting rights. When you see Correct. there's not a, a whole lot of like when you see so many people say it should be a day off. You shouldn't have to figure out okay, how am I going to rush to work and if the law line is long. And and that those are things that will happen long term, but in this climate that we have, and we have, I mean, people who really have a stranglehold who clearly say, we don't care what the electorate wants. You know, we're just going to do what we're going to do about who pays for us. How do we make, start to initiate this change? Or, you know, we know, too, that you can get a ground swallow conversation of, of disgust with things doing and make a change. That's why Donald, and let me say this clearly, Donald Trump lost the election. I don't care what yes. they say, he lost the election because people were just like so damn sick of, repelled by, disgusted by. How do right. you get that to where, you know, where everyone talks about, you know, our voters' rights under uh, so, attack, but where are they?
3: Let's talk about voters. Let's talk about voters. So, okay. number one, we Abolish the Electoral College. It is an old racist system that we need to get rid of, number one. Number two, and it's not just good for Democrats. It's good for everybody because think about it. When was the last time a Democrat went giving a stump speech in Alabama during a general for the presidency? And when was the last time that a Republican went to California to give a stump speech in the general – It doesn't happen because they know those votes won't happen. So we ban the Electoral College and make politicians uh, nationwide work for those votes in every state. That's number one. Number two, we extend vote by mail. I think every single state should have a vote by mail, a permanent vote by mail option, so folks can get the ballot right to their home. Number three we extend the early voting. Um, So if we are having, and and this all goes back to what I said in the beginning, if same thing, if we have nationwide primaries in August, if we have a nationwide early vote that starts in July, we are going to alleviate the people that are there on the actual quote-unquote election day. And number four, election day should most definitely be a holiday thank you it should be but if we do all these other things it makes it easier if we do the vote by mail if we do the early voting but every state is not doing that we got to do better we got to do right by our voters and we got also got to ask Why are Republicans so upset that people want to vote? And why are they working so hard to make sure that voters are not allowed their rights? Mm -hmm. Why are we not asking that question? Because that's my question.
2: Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's like they are hell-bent. You know, you lost. Okay, you lost. Because, I mean, to me... The number of people who came out, you know, the people who voted early, people came out. You have people who had not voted, people who were touched, like you said, people who were able to vote by mail, who were able to do it. And rather than go like, hey, well, we lost We lost fair and square, but democracy is working. People are voting, and that's what it's about. Instead, it was like, we lost, we're sore losers. And we're going to make sure, you know, we're going to deny people their rights. Correct. Mm-hmm.
3: And that's not okay. And we have to – it's not about us saying that's not okay. We all know it's not okay. It's about us electing um, senators and Congress people that understand that that is not okay. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, yeah. I mean – you stop and you look at it, and, you know, we have people who have this, re-di- hey, and we haven't even talked about redistricting yet, or uh, what, that's, what that's going to do. I mean, you know, like we're looking, like we have one district here in Michigan where you're basically two great people who used to be in two different districts are now thrown into one. They're both Democrats.
3: We know. have that same thing in Illinois. Mm-hmm. So I think that. Every state should have indi- uh, independent folks that draw the maps based on uh, the numbers every ten years. I, I do believe that. Um, I don't believe that our politicians should be drawing the maps mm-hmm. because when you have a Democrat, uh, a Democratic state, you're going to have. Democratic gerrymandering. We have a Republican state, you run a Republican gerrymandering. But here's the thing. Screw Democrat-Republican. It's about the voter. Mm -hmm. Voters should have a right to pick who their elected officials are, not the other way around. Period. Mm
2: Mm-hmm. I mean, because really, I mean, you stop and you look, like we had, um, and, you know, and part of it, like you look at, like, the 14th Congressional District, which had Brenda Lawrence, I mean, who, she's decided to retire, okay. So now, that solidarity, it's like, okay, you've got this person moving in, this, where it's really, you can see, it's like, we're going to fix them, you know, and, and it's about right. that, The who are the voters, and the district does not really, it disempowers the voters in the district by dividing it up. And that's what you're seeing happening across the country and a lot of these redistricting.
3: Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, Ken, I want to take our first break, and then we're going to get right back into it. You know, I love talking to you. You know, you and I are political junkies. <laughs> you
3: know, Yeah, we are, we are feeling Jewish is mutual.
2: Junkies. Yeah. So we'll be right back.
0: This episode of Collections by Michelle Brown is brought to you in partnership with the Center for Peace Counseling and Holistic Healing Services, bringing balance to your mind. Body and spirit. For more information or to schedule an appointment, visit the center at www.thecenterforpeacellc.com.
2: we're back here with my good friend Ken Mahia Bill. Ken, okay. Listen. Part of your, your old life, you know, or part of your life, continuing did with journalism. Okay. I gotta hear. You know, before we get back into all of other stuff, what do you think about that new press secretary?
3: Lover. <laughs> Lover. It's time. It's time. And I I think that she's qualified, but I also think there's nothing wrong um, with having a lesbian black woman delivering the news to America. I love it. I did too.
2: You know. You know. you gonna get up, you Jen. Like you said, she's qualified. She's there. And I'm gonna tell you, Jen Psaki. Hey, let's give it to the ginger. She did she a fine
3: job. Also she awesome.
2: Mhm but also you know,
3: incredible
2: mhm but you know it it gives a a hat tip not only to Biden's commitment to bringing diversity and bringing people who were qualified to it, but like you said, it was about time and it and she's qualified yeah you know, so qualified. I think that, that's the thing that she i mean super qualified i mean I can't wait to to I mean, I've caught her a couple of times when she's, you know, filled in. I can't wait to see her face up there,
3: you know,
2: just just, I'm, giving it.
3: I'm sure you can't, and I can't either.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, only thing better would be you, darling. <laughs> so, uh, so, you know, we were, we were talking about, you know, voting and all like this. I mean... I was talking to someone today, and they were like, well, you know, things are like going." I said, wait a minute, okay, you've got, you know, a war on women. You've got a war on voters. You've got a war on LGBTQ uh, people, particularly our trans sisters and brothers. There are yeah. those who are already saying if they can turn back Roe versus Wade, Hey, marriage marriage is not safe. They've got a war on voters' rights. Okay, if you needed something to light a fire on you, wake up and smell the smoke. I mean, it's there. What? I mean, are people just not threading it? Are people that concerned about the high cost of gas? You know? Yes more so than these these assaults on their
3: their right? Yes. Yes, because at the end of the day, and this is where Democrats tend to not understand, I can care about millions of issues, but if I can't put gas in my car to get to work to make money, that's a problem. So, yeah, it 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 is a problem that inflation is a, is is happening, but the bigger problem, cause let's get to the root of the problem. The root of the problem is corporations are allowed to not pay their employees what they're worth. Mm-hmm. And as an employee, we don't have recourse. That is why I'm a strong supporter of unions. I'm a union. Advocate because this is why unions are important,
2: and you know, and 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 you don't hear people talking about. I mean, you did when you didn't have someone there to stack the shelves, but the fact to talk about a fair wage paid correctly, you know, you you know, we Correct. have things you know that are so also important, and you know, I'm with you. I'm glad to see that you know unions are still there. They had an important role that got minimized. Do. I don't know what happened, but they do. I mean, that Amazon—they fired him, and he came back and organized it.
3: Go ahead. He's man. amazing. Yeah. Yes.
2: Go ahead, brother. You know, will the unions where they are now—is their role different? Now, how is it different than it was back? you know when they the, the heyday of unions before yeah how is it different and how is it what's the goals it's, of it what what are you looking for from them
3: it's different because our union leaders don't go missing um so that's number <laughs> 1 and number mm-hmm. 2 is different because our union leaders have more support for public support. Unions used to be a bad word that we talked about in lunchrooms back in the day. And not me, but, you know, w- in the founding of unions. That's changed. Unions are now viewed as a good thing, and this new generation is going to, and when I say the new generation, I mean these Gen Z people, the Gen Z generation, they're going to usher in unions and every single establishment in america mark my words i'm saying it here now they are going to do it because they never grew up with a negative context of unions
2: Mm. i I I have a lot
3: of faith in generation z i have a lot of faith in them
2: okay you know and in part i think that there's a lot of things that they never grew up with, (laughs) with that negative connotation Many of them, the fact that they get the importance of, of unions, where many of them have not gone through that whole traditional job. I know that with my father's generation, it was like, hey, you get in that auto plant, you stay there. You know, who needs college? You know, you can you can retire from there. I mean, so they haven't grown up with that that tie, Correct. To, a, that tie to a job. Many of them are gig workers. Many of them not only... Are working remotely now, but have been working remotely now. So, do you think that they're looking at the world differently, as far as Um,
3: what do we want out of work? Yeah, yeah. I think we're all doing that now. Um, I'm a millennial, and I never understood why I had to go into an office to do my job. Um, I felt, you know, that going in, so a little. Backstory, so when the shelter-in-place happened and I started working from home, I immediately lost 15 pounds. I immediately started sleeping better. And guess what? I immediately started putting in more hours of overtime. How is all of that possible? Because I was happy. I didn't have to deal with water cooler I didn't have to deal with, you know, and this is especially for black and brown folks. I did not no longer have to deal with anybody's microaggression. I didn't Uh. have to deal with sending out an email and then having an angry person at my desk talking. Can I can I use expletives? Sure, go ahead. Uh Talking shit to me, to my face because they knew that they could go back to their desk and send an email that Mm -hmm. was polite and proper. Working from home saved the mental health of so many black and brown folks around this country. Mm -hmm. Because I'll tell you, when there was a call to go back to work, I was not answering that call. I'm the happiest I've ever been. Now, with that said, to answer your question, though, Younger people get that. Younger people have already found a means to connect with people. So millennials, we're the generation that kind of leaped into social media halfway through. The generation Z, however, they've been in this gen- they've been in this world, so they don't need to go to work to make friends. They don't need to go into political activism to make friends. They got it. And that's why I think this generation is going to save the world. I really do believe that.
2: Mm-hmm. You know, and I think, too, like what you were saying, because i tell you, it was perfect, you know. I mean, after many years being in the workplace, when hey, when things shut down, it was great. I started mm-hmm. looking for things to do remotely. I've been doing things, but, oh, like you said, you know, my commute from the couch to my my home office, you know, is <laughs> important. Maybe 50 steps. It has, but those, like you said, those microaggressions. And I I know young people like these who would never put up with, with some of the stuff that you know when you go in the office and you have things and it's like you know just those microaggressions that just sort of drive you crazy. Like if they have not done that and they've got their social media connections like that, why would you want to go in there and deal with that? You know, and I think that a lot of people, COVID sort of was like a wake up call, which which also makes me hopeful that, you know, hopeful that, you know, they're like, you know, I put up with a lot of stuff. Why don't I have this? How come I can't work from home? How come I can't feel more rested and take care of my family and be there for them? why do I need to go back in and sit at that desk? Now, I do know there's some people who want to go do that, but, you know, for the most part, like, you know, I know so many people who it's like, what's in the way? And they're happy with it. Right. Mm Right. Right. Now they're talking now about, you know, there's another variant coming on and, you know, which is also interesting that, you know, COVID has, has given us this time to reset do you think that because of COVID and because the way it has changed how we were used to living to how we're living now, we living in the future, has it affected the politics?
3: Yes. Yes. Of, of, um, COVID has affected politics. COVID has affected everything. and. I think it pushed us into a place of having to communicate in different manners, having to learn how to communicate via email, having to learn how to communicate via social media. But So COVID, the shelter in place, positive in some ways, negative in other ways because it made some people go absolutely nuts. Um, and now you have the QAnon on social media, and you have, and you know, you know, Republicans talk; they have QAnon, they own that. But you know, there are even Democrats that are should never be allowed to use a a, a keyboard. Being alone <laughs> for some people is not good, and I and I'm gonna just put that out there. Um. So the shelter in place, because I get emails from folks like. I was online, and I was trolling through donations from candidates of everybody in DuPage, and I'm like, you need a hobby, <laughs> or you need friends, or you need something. Like, don't get a thing. Pick, get
2: make that, you know? <laughs> Yes,
3: like, because that's not normal. It is never normal to fixate your life on other people's lives. That's not normal. There's a problem with you if you're obsessed with other people's lives and their livelihood. With that said, the shelter in place showed a lot of positive and negative. A lot of it. Mm
2: -hmm. Now, you know, we, we talked briefly about your background, like, in writing, and we talked about the press secretary, but, you know, journalism, where we get mm-hmm. our news from has changed. Like you were yeah. just talking about, like there are some people like, hey, if it's on on Twitter, Facebook, you know, that, you know, it, it ain't true. But if, it, if they Correct. see it, somebody posts it, and they've got a million likes, well, of course, they're preaching gospel. Um, the news, even, when I watch the news, it's so like in a news cycle, it's even local. Like, I mean, and, you know, and I do feel for the people of Ukraine. I think, you know, this war, I mean, we can talk about that another thing. But it has, that's the news cycle. Even when it comes down to local, you know, somebody mm-hmm. could be getting murdered right next door. But instead, you know, I'm not hearing about the local stories. I'm not hearing about what's happening in my community because the big national stories, end up filtering through everything and taking over so often, and I've talked to them I said, well, if I want to know what's happening in the community,
3: I'll look on Facebook. I'll listen to Twitter. mm No,
2: that's not not the answer.
3: So let's talk about that. The problem is not the media. The problem is consumer. So media Mm -hmm. is a business. Right? So Mm -hmm. if folks are tuning out when they talk about local stories, they get that hit right away.
2: Mm. When they
3: talk about national stories, people tune in. So it's not the media. It is us. We have to Mm. understand that local news matters. Mm -hmm. So what do you say to
2: people I mean, local news matters, but how do you tell them that local news is not, you know, what you're getting? It might be a grain of truth in some of the things that you see on social media, but, you know.
3: Social media is the, let me say this, social Mm -hmm. media is the second worst invention to mankind (laughs) right behind the nuclear weapon. Social Mm. media has destroyed us. It has made the suicide rate increase, and what I'm about all everything I'm about to say right now is fact, and you can Google it um, or, or research it if you want. Social media, the as you look at social media increase, our suicide rate increase, our uh-huh. depression rate increases, misinformation and disinformation increase. Social media is the worst thing to. Ever happened to humanity besides the nuclear weapon? When I, you would be surprised. I'm the chair of a, of a of a of a political party. There are politicians who will call me to talk about things they saw on Facebook. Mm. It is ridiculous because I don't give a damn about anything on social media because it's not real. Mm -hmm. Social Mm -hmm. media is the figment of the imagination of people that don't have the time to do real work. Social media is built from people that have the time to sit on their asses at home to critique other people. Guess why I don't care about social media? Because I'm actually out there doing stuff Thank you. in the yeah. real world. I'm mm-hmm. actually out there fighting for real things. So I don't give a damn about social media. When people call me about Twitter or Facebook or wiggity wham, I don't know. I don't care. I don't mm-hmm. care. It's not important. Mm -hmm. What is important, though, is what did you do for your neighbor today? Thank you. What did you do for your community today? What did Mm -hmm. you do for your people today? And if your answer is I went on Facebook or Twitter and liked something or created chaos, you're not doing anything. Mm-hmm. It's and, real know, it's, easy to sit on your ass and critique people.
2: hmm You know, they had a thing, you know, the unfortunate thing about um, our local story about a young person who had got on Instagram somehow or other something else when it got all out. hmm And they committed suicide.
3: I've read that story.
2: Maybe if they had been out and amongst other people, developing Mm -hmm. friendships, developing peers, being engaged as a young person in their community, all of that wouldn't have happened. You know, all that people people. wouldn't have got caught up in that. But it was like, you know, why? From, from these invisible people with a light. Correct.
3: It's easy to disassociate yourself from manners and decorum from a keyboard. Um, I think the people that write the nasty things and write the negative things forget that there's a person. There's a real person on the other end of this. And that is what is lost. I've had folks that have wrote me the worst things you could ever imagine, Mm -hmm. Um, that I should kill myself, (laughs) that I – someone actually wrote me that they hoped, hoped that I died in a plane crash on Christmas morning because it would destroy my family and that would make them laugh. They wrote that to me. Here's my thing, because I'm not bothered by that, because I don't care about (laughs) social media. Mm-hmm. Come to my house, say it to my face. Yeah. And for folks that don't know me, I lift weights a lot and I <laughs> do believe in the Second Amendment. So come to my house, say it to my face. But here's the problem. There's a lot of people that put their their stake of who they are into social media. That is the problem. It cuts both ways. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't believe talking. in it, so it can't hurt me. But there are mm-hmm. people that believe in social media, and it mm-hmm. does hurt them. And those are the people that I feel sorry for.
2: You know, um, I had an opportunity virtually to present mm-hmm. to at the Bronx Community College, and it was about fostering activism. And many of the students who were in there, if you said, well, what is activism? Well, if I see something that's on there, I say I like it or I follow this. And and they were like, well, what is activism to you? And I said, like, being out in the community, you know, being out in the community, you know, showing up in person, you know, particularly Correct. as a black member of the LGBTQ community to show up with my full self in the community might not change a heart and mind, but it's going to move a heart and mind to a, it's going to have more impact. You know, I can show up at a school board meeting. I can show up at something. And it was like, you know, activism is beyond twice right, you know, saying that you like it. And it was so interesting to see how many of them, and even one young woman said, you know what, I used to write letters to my representatives and tell them what I felt and show up at things. She said, I haven't been doing that. And mm-hmm. you know, and I and she said, I thought that if I just sort of like, you know, that was enough. I said, Not nah, they might have somebody who's paying attention to that, but it is not as possible as if there's a school board meeting and you and your Correct. Parents show. Yeah. You know,
3: So, So, we gotta show up to the school board meetings. We gotta show mm -hmm. up. We gotta keep showing up. Mm -hmm. And I
2: think that, you know, because, I mean, and it's just like you said, it's more than clicking yes, no. When you look at what happened last year, and you had, it wouldn't be, I mean, people have been saying black lives matter so far, but when you had thousands of people across the country showing up, marching, black, white, Together, young. I love the young people, but there, or there's also like intergenerational. But you had all of these people saying, hey, you know, we have to do better. This is injustice, you know, Black Lives Matter, Lives Matter, police, this police killings have to stop. We want justice. We want justice for George Floyd. When you saw the yeah. rise up, that was more powerful. I mean, those people showing up, because you have to know. So many, even our our whitest families, somewhere down that family tree, got a little brown somebody or will have. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you see these young people out there marching who, like you said, they don't, you know, this is my, my, my friend. This is who I grew up and went to school with. This is my right. ride or die, you know. And they look at that, that. That's so powerful. That's more powerful than a life or unlike to someone who's of a generation who's probably not even looking at social media or don't know what they're looking for.
3: Correct. Correct. Hundred percent correct.
2: Mm-hmm. Hundred mm-hmm. percent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well so let's take our next break and we'll be right back.
3: Okie dokie. <laughs>
2: We're back here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Ken, I mean, you're in Illinois. I'm watching. They're saying, like, you know, um, things are going on in states around you, particularly against around the abortion issue. You see people are coming. You've been involved in, in state government and to see how it's going to go. What do you see that's happening in Illinois that you're working on? That it's impacted by, you know, these things that we're seeing happening even on a national level, Roe versus Wade, voters' mm-hmm. rights, that. How are you in your capacity and as the award winner for your advocacy and changing, how do you see your role in Illinois, in your county, and as a community actor, What can Illinois do that can be like, that's doing right for this? Illinois
3: is, Illinois is a beacon for the Midwest because we do a lot that is right. Um, what I did, you know, I've been involved in all of this for 14 years, 14 years, um, voter rights, um, uh, reproduction rights, LGBTQ rights, Black rights, immigration rights, Black and Brown rights, and overall. So these are things that I've been working uh, I've been working on my whole life. So where we are today in Illinois is folks like me that have been doing it from day one. So when I look at the, you know. If, if Roe v. Wade is, you know, pulled back, Illinois will be okay. Mm-hmm. And I say that to say that other states can be okay, but somebody's got to do the work. Somebody's got to put their neck on the line. Somebody has got to be that annoying person that shows <laughs> up at that office every day. I believe and the will of Americans that have a need. You
2: know, we often say visibility matters, and I really believe that visibility matters, and we're seeing it on more and more levels. You know, um, if you see, I mean, how many shows do you see where there's a uh, uh, a gay character, how many black shows out there that don't necessarily have main characters that aren't necessarily funny, you know, that are serious and that are in leadership positions, you know, their lead roles. We have always. in visibility matters. As a black gay man, when you show up, how important is it to you that you show up and that people recognize? That you're not just the person who wrote, you're not just the advocate, you're not just, you know, hmm. from one county, that you are that full person, which I think is why you got the Outstanding
3: Service Mail Award.
1: Well,
2: that disability
3: is very important. And guess what? Even in 2022, there are people that hate me for simply breathing oxygen. Mm hmm. Um, and this is where I get upset with the with the Democratic Party because Democrats often say, well, we're not the party of racism. Let me tell you, there's racism that's alive and well right in the Democratic Party. Racism uh-huh. is a nonpartisan issue. Racism is in every facet of America. Right. And every,
2: even in our LGBTQ community, we might have... Absolutely. But come on now. Mm
3: -hmm. Yep, absolutely. So when we talk about social justice issues, we have to not make them political issues. Black Lives Matter should have never been a political issue. Mm -hmm. Because I can tell you, after being chair of the Democratic Party of DuPage County... There are Democrats that could give less than a damn if I was shot dead today. Mm. And there are Republicans that would care. These are not partisan Mm -hmm. issues. These are human issues. That is why we need our legislators to get off their asses and not talk about Democrat-Republican, but to talk about people. Black people are not Democrats. We are people. Latinos mm-hmm. are not Democrats or Republican. They are people. The Asian community, they're not Democrats or Republicans. They are the Asian community. We have to take the political affiliation away from um, groups of people. We have to deal with with the groups of people, we have to work with their issues and we have to push through to make all of us equal. We have to push through and pushing through does not mean putting everybody in a political party. Doesn't mean that.
0: You know,
2: and I, you know, I agree with you, you know, and even like when I, I heard the announcement about the uh, Jean Pierre, I was like, you know, there was a part of me that was happy that they, you know, like, but the story began, she's black and she's gay, you know, and it's like, okay, start out with, you know, she's done this, that, and the other. I mean, yes, she's black and she's gay. And I think that, like I said, visibility is really important. When you look at our vice president, our soon-to-be Supreme Court justice, this is all important to see this visibility. But you know, like you said, it can't be politicized. Like, Okay, well, you know, if it's a black or brown woman who's doing something, well, okay, hey, they got to be Democrat. How come you can't? They're speaking truth to power. If it's a, a you know, Correct. and you and you show up and you're talking about the needs of your County, you aren't going to say, well, you know, I just want to talk about. It. You're talking about the needs of the county within that Democratic Party. Like you said, there's some people who wouldn't care. Where you want people to recognize you are part of it. You are all of these things, but you're there about the people.
3: Correct, and that is the difference. Like I made, I did an interview, and I've talked about it often, where I say Democrats that are not comfortable with black, brown, LGBT folks, find another home. I got emails from Democrats that were like, oh, my God, Ken, how could you try to kick us out of a party? And my response is, why are you upset that I am asking racists and homophobes and bigots to get out of a party unless you're part of that group? Mm-hmm. Because, because guess what? If there were a there was a message asking racists and homophobes and bigots to get out of a party, not only am I applauding it, I'm not offended because I know I'm not a part of that group. So we still have that. We still have that. Mm-hmm. And oh, really? I'm not backing down. I'm not backing down
2: mm-hmm. at all. Mhm. Well, I mean, cause, cause, and it's like you see that, you hear that. I talked to someone just recently, and they were talking about something that they were going to do. And they said, well, you know, we're going to be out in, they mentioned the suburb. And I'm going like, and, well, you know, and, and trying to have an out where maybe I wouldn't be comfortable. I'm gonna like I'm comfortable any place I go. So if you're gonna do yep. it in the suburbs, I'm gonna to come to the suburbs. And if people out there, if you're concerned about your other guest having an issue with me showing up, then maybe you need to relook at your guest list. Absolutely. uh, uh it's just it's just like well, like you said, you know, it's real. And and that's part of the role, you know, of being, not to say that, uh, that visibility is to call out people. It's like, you're not comfortable with it? You know, I am a part of this. I'm supposed to be here. We're going to do this, okay? So, but there are some powerful people, and I'm just going to throw a name out there, and you tell me what you think. Stacey Abrams. Many people want to say, like, this is the hope. Of a Democratic Party. I we, love
3: Stacey Abrams. I, I think I what she's the, done is amazing. Yeah.
2: What, Nothing
3: negative to say there.
2: What can, oh, shoot, hell, I mean, holy heck no. But what can, what is she saying that the party as a whole needs to listen to as they come into 2022?
3: Every single word. <laughs>
2: every single word
3: forty-two. two mhm yes, mhm, because she, yeah. she she's talking about where we are as a people, and she's been there, so mm-hmm. every single word,
2: mhm, and you know it's funny because when she ran in Georgia, I knew someone you know one of those ones that's like you know, I think she's kind of little, but I think this woman has some issues, and she her. She was like, I met Stacey Abrams. We need to be listening to her. And, you know, and I'm going, wow. You know, it was just like, and this was a white woman, you know, who was conveniently progressive, you know. Sometimes another time she'd take a step back. I like y'all, but sometimes I don't. I mean, and she was preaching the gospel of Stacey Abrams. And it was like, all right, you know and talked about the work that she was doing and what needed to continue to do. And in fact, part of what made her, like I want to say that uh, she had sat on the fence during one election. She said what made her come back was listening to Stacey Abrams and made her feel like we can do this if we listen to to what she's got to say.
3: Ah, I agree with that.
2: Mm -hmm. So what did you think about when uh the hearings for our soon to be Supreme Court Justice. What did you I mean, I mean I was, there were times when I wanted to just throw something at the T V. My sister held held her head up high. I mean I was so proud of her.
3: I I will be honest, I cried because I've been there in a in a smaller so when I ran for chair, um there was a horribly racist campaign against me. Um, they accused me of being an out-of-work grifter. They accused me of dying of AIDS. They accused me of being a thief, of opening shell companies, all because I'm just a black man that wants to be better. Mm-hmm. So to watch that brought up a lot of stuff that I thought I had dealt with that I hadn't and I felt proud of her but I also felt angry mm-hmm. I felt angry because it's it's a damn shame that black people in America have to go the extra mile all the time All the like damn Like we we all mm-hmm. all the damn time we can't just be who we are Mhm um you know when I ran for chair of this party, I literally had to convince people, "No, I've worked on several congressional campaigns. And it's like, well, oh oh, okay, but I'm still not sure. I still uh, don't know if you're qualified. Uh, what else do I need to do to prove to you that I'm qualified besides bleaching my skin?
2: Mhm, uh-huh. mhm,
3: uh-huh. and, and you know, it, it is irritating.
2: You know, and I know exactly, there was moments as I listened to her and it was like, like I said, sometimes I wanted to throw the phone through there. But like you said, there were moments when I knew that I had gone and I was more than qualified. And I could explain to people who were less than qualified,
0: you know. Absolutely.
2: And, and And the way that she sat there and, you know, I said, you know what? They probably have me in cuffs to escorting me out because it was like but I felt that on so many levels I felt
3: I felt for her, I felt for her family, but I also rooted for her because I knew that she would come out okay and and that's the thing.
2: Mm
3: Mhm. So
2: okay. Our vice president. Mhm. Okay. I mean, I loved her. I mean, that was she was my candidate. I'm gonna
3: tell you mm-hmm. straight up.
2: She was my candidate. I know we
3: talked about it.
2: Mhm. Uh huh. And she took the number two place, and it's a different role. We know that. I mm-hmm. mean, we're starting. You know, you see glimpses of her doing this and that and everything. When and I don't know. I mean, I've heard that Biden said he's going to run for a second term. But I thought I heard it somewhere, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I'm not, I'm, I'm not casting judgment on that. However, do you think, are we ready for her to step up? Will this country be ready for her to step up if it's at the end of this first term or at the second one? Will we have come no. far enough?
3: No. hmm this country is not ready for. Um, this country is not ready for a black woman leader. I am ready. I I am ready, um, because guess what? I'm a black man in America. The leaders in my life have always been black women.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: My inspirations have always been black women. I've been ready. Um, this country is not ready. Mm-hmm. This country is not even ready to accept that President Obama is not the first black leader of America because President Obama, who is a great president – let me be very clear. I'm a very supportive <laughs> of President Obama. He is mixed race, so mm-hmm. he had all the privileges of having white family members. This country's not even ready to talk about that. Mm -hmm. This country's not ready to talk about the mistreatment that Senator Cory Booker went through while trying to run for president. Thank you. He was incredibly qualified.
2: So was
3: Vice President Kamala Harris. Mm -hmm. Until we're ready to talk about that, no, I don't think this country's ready for it. Mm Mm-hmm.
2: Do you think? I mean, like we see the generations. like, Are sometimes like, and and I don't wish ill on anyone, but I'm going of like, you know, a lot of these old old white men are, are old and white, you know, and you have newer people coming up. I have a lot mm-hmm. of hope in the young people who we are seeing speak out, do things, who are leading movements, who are doing things. So do also, I. There's generations in between that ain't totally there, you know. Like, hey, there's a whole group of of women who have benefited from Roe versus Wade who aren't outraged and they're in the street, you know, and who are probably right. vote for whoever. So you know, it's gonna take us a minute. But you know, it, how? Someone said, like, how long? You know, how long? And do you see in your capacity, beside you, um, other people um, who are coming up? Do you see people who are ready to, I mean, I know a lot of people just want to, like, forget the system and not going to do it. How do we get young people, those who are, who are, who are this new generation, to get in there and not become a part of the system, but break the system.
3: Listen to them. Don't coach them. Don't talk to them. Don't don't try to sway them. Just shut up. Sit down and listen. Mm. They're not stupid people. They're actually very intelligent and they have the skill set to deal with multiple people. Like, I'm, I'm a millennial. We didn't have that skill set. These Generation Z folks—they got it. They went through. They—they—they're coming out as LGBT younger. They're—they're they're integrating our school systems without ha- without action. They actually understand more about our society than we do. So we, I have nothing to say to them. I'm going to sit down, I'm going to shut up, and I'm going to listen. hmm Because they got it, they got this. And my job is to support them. hmm Yeah, and I often tell people, it's like,
2: you know, those of us who have our foot in the door, now it's our, our, our duty to, like, kick the door open and let them come through. Just open the floodgates yep. and let them come through. No. absolutely, mhm wow no. no, it's just yeah, you know, it's amazing i mean i I am hopeful um, I am hopeful, even you know, I am hoping that people you i got I get tired of people saying, well, you know, if someone gets elected president the next year that they they don't, you know, every it's gonna flip. I am hoping that people go like, you know, oh cool. you know, I I'm coming out and I'm voting for my belief so that we've got work to do. And I'm hoping I hope that so in too. voting for their belief that I I you know, i I've, I've known a Republican or two in my life. I cannot and maybe right now they're all sipping hard on that Kool Aid. But I think that some of them just need to have their Kool-Aid spiked a bit, you know, so that they'll go like, you know, okay. And maybe these elections in the fall, if it goes, if people show up and people vote what they believe in, that maybe some of them will say, well, let me pour a little bit of Jack Daniels in my Kool-Aid and get some backbone and let's move forward. Is that possible? Yeah, you know. I agree. Mhm. Cause I just I just can't. You know, it's just like winning isn't everything, and that's what I'm hoping that you'll see. Winning isn't everything. Okay, we went way low, and you know what? We stayed low. So now let's let's get on, get on. With running the country, with representing the people who are this country, the country isn't. Buildings in Washington, buildings in the capitals of each state, that's not not their country. The country are these people who we talk to on the street. We look over their backyard fence and talk to, who will be at the Esteem Awards, and, and hanging out in Chicago. That's the people. So with that... Ken, you and I one day are going to change the world, probably over some nice, cool cocktails at the sidetrack in July. <laughs> after, I can't wait. After, after we give you your award, we'll do, we can do a dance. We won't put it on TikTok. You know, we'll just do a happy dance. <laughs> Please
3: don't, then, put, don't put it anywhere.
2: No, we're not gonna put you know what we're gonna put it in our hearts and minds so that
3: there there we, you go
2: when we have a moment I say, You remember when me and Ken, we had a good time. That's what we're gonna keep. Um Let's do it. Okay. Well again, congratulations on your esteem Award. Thank, Thank you, you um for being a guest. I wanted to I'm trying to get as many of the Esteem Awards uh members to be on the show so that People see. You know, it's not always the ones who you see all over the place. It's those who are in the trenches doing the work, and that's where you are. You know, I have much Thank love you. and respect for you.
3: Aww. Well, The feeling is mutual, and I have a lot of love and respect for what you do and the work that you've done, and I cannot wait to see you at the Esteem Awards.
1: Well, Wow. I want to thank my guest, community organizer, and chair of the DuPage County Democratic Party, Ken Mahia Bio. As a longtime resident, writer, community activist, member of the LGBTQ community, and a leader in the financial sector, Ken has spent the better part of his life helping others. Be sure and follow Collections by Michelle Brown Blog Radio on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And let us know if you have a suggestion for a guest or topic for a future show. You can listen to this or past episodes of a show on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher, or Blog Talk Radio. Join us next week when I'll introduce you to another amazing individual living between the lines, standing boldly in the crosshairs of their intersectionality, and creating change, right here on Collections by Michelle Brown. Thank you for listening.
3: 18 plus.